Welcome to another episode of the Digi Tavern. On today's episode, Fredo and I are talking immersion gameplay. Does it make or break your lore? And later on in the discussions, we get into a little lore. Let's roll the intro. Barkeep, pour me a drink. Hey, Bart, spin that shit. Episode, What's up, man? Episode five. Yep. How are you? How are you doing? How are you doing? Pretty good. I'm okay. I'm pumped. I'm jazzed. It's a little late. I'm a little tired, but that's okay. I'm alive. It's all right. We're used to being up late. That's right. That's that's. We have to get a better schedule. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, though. We're making do. We're making do. How you been, Fredo? How's life on your side? Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, a lot of stuff going on on my end. Uh, it's actually pretty good. Uh, it could be better, but... You know. I thought you said sexually pretty good. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> no, no. Don't lie to the good people. <laughs> That's hilarious. But with that being said, with our catch-ups out of the way, let's get into the topic at hand. So we have been talking a little bit about like immersion and lore and stuff like that. And the thing is, is like when we talk about immersion, we're talking about like what we take from the game itself and how we apply it to how we play the game. And a lot of people have a different way of doing things. Like some people only play certain games at night because it makes it feel like a movie. Or for you example, you like to like not have a HUD me yeah. I, I like to uh kind of take my positioning of my character from the character perspective and play the game that way so with that being said let's get into the topic how are you playing your games like how immersion wise how are you playing your games what makes you feel the most immersed into the games you play uh, one of the things that I, I kind of immediately do when I kind of pick up a new game is check the difficulty. Mm -hmm. Like, I will actually, before I even start playing a game, I'll probably, like, research to see what type of difficulty it is. Like, if is it, if, is it just like, uh, we're gonna go ahead and raise the HP of these monsters to take lot more bullets or a lot more sword slashes than it should okay so um that's one of the first things i'd, I'd take like if it's if that if all they do is just make the hp bigger or longer and it doesn't add any more difficulty besides that i'll just leave it on normal okay but if it if it does kind of like a realism kind of damage kind of like the first person to shoot kind of wins type of deal then i'll will more than likely go towards that okay see so that that does make a little sense because in division 
one of the biggest problems with that game was the difficulty of that yeah. game was just they were just bullet sponges they would just take bullet shots after shots after shot so it didn't make the game feel like it was really hard it just made it feel like these enemies like you're just like unloading clip after clip after clip yeah, and that, to me that kind of killed the game for me like I loved everything else but as soon as I started shooting these guys especially the guys that had like flamethrowers yeah and they, they would take forever to knock out like I was just like this is this is not cool like I'm but that was a good getting... game though yeah it was and I think they fixed it they did they kind of they kind of messed with it but like when I first played it it really took me out like right away out of this whole world like they did such a good job of like recreating new york mm -hmm. and then that happened and i was like oh man like <laughs> this is just not gonna work so i did stop playing that specific game for that reason alone but um i heard it got better so i kind of want to go back and try it now but we'll see well they did they changed it for um division two like they made the the enemies more aware and they had them adapt so they're not just like bullet sponges anymore so they're more tactical about how they attack you so you have somebody attack from the flank or try to route you out one way so that they can kind of gank you on one side so there there it's it's a lot smarter now and i will say like i've seen the game played i've not played it but i've seen a lot of it played it seems like it's much harder because you they're trying to outwit you, and you're trying to outwit them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'll look forward to playing that. But really, when I first start a game, that's all I look for is the difficulty. Secondly, I look at the HUD options. Like, can this game be played with as minimal HUD as possible? Yeah. Is it even, like, possible to do? Because a lot of devs don't add that option mm -hmm. they kind of add like the no hud or you know hud but there's no like in between well, well a lot of a lot of games are coming out with like simplified huds as well yeah there's there's a lot of them because i think there is a uh, actual like market for that you know what do you like mean a lot of like a lot of market for people who don't want a lot of HUD or stuff like interrupt their gameplay. I know there is a lot of people that like, let's say, damage numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, if a game has damage numbers, I immediately try and see if I can get rid of them. See, I'm a, dam I'm a damage numbers kind of person. Like, I like to see that. And that's, mostly that's because I play a lot of MMOs. And I I kind of rely on that, knowing to know if my rotation's good. And then I know, like, oh, okay, I'm getting a crit point at this during this rotation, and I just kind of got used to always seeing them. Yeah, and that that makes sense. I mean, I know why they're there, and I know why people like them. Just personally, for me, if they're there, I want to get rid of them immediately. Right. Right. And and, and I will say, like, there are some games that that don't need that because it makes the game seem like a game and obviously the games are games but well, yeah, the, whole, the whole point of playing like the whole point of being immersed into the game is to have an immersion feeling make the game feel more real 
and getting rid of those numbers is probably a big deal but i will say that like games like games where the characters like maybe wearing a, a mask or like a helmet i feel like that's okay because immersion wise maybe the helmet could pick up the damage that's being dealt uh, you know that's just kind of how i see that sometimes so mass effect has a uh, a character that's wearing a suit that is meant to pick up attack damage both incoming and outgoing so i feel like when you have numbers like being on the screen saying like oh you're doing this much damage that that's a part of the immersion mm-hmm. would you agree to that yeah, definitely. Like, for sci-fi games, I just kind of throw that out the window, like, as far as damage numbers or, like, like in Halo, when he has the whole, you could see how much damage you're taking. Yeah. Like, your HP and all that. Like, whenever it's, like, sci-fi games, I just, like, I'm like, there's probably going to be something like that in the future, so I'll allow it. It seems accurate to... The, yeah. like what could be real especially like in let's let's give an example in destiny like when whenever you press tab and you pull out your ghost and he kind of mm-hmm. tells you like you need to go that way mm-hmm. you know and there's that little icon yeah like i'll allow that just because i'm probably have some futuristic stuff yeah that's my, linked to your helmet my, yeah to your yeah, helmet so, yeah so then i'm like you know that's fine but if like in the witcher when there's there's icons floating around mm-hmm. i turn them off yeah just yeah. just because it doesn't make sense for me but see and that's the thing where it's like i've learned that from you because i'm the kind of person that I'll never really mess with that stuff i never mess with my my heads up display i never touched anything like that i would add subtitles because i like to read what's being said yeah that's one of the ones i leave up like some, some people don't like that though like some people don't like subtitles because it's like they feel like it takes away from what's being on screen and they would rather see it and hear it rather than read it and i get that but i like i like subtitles but one of the things that you suggested which was getting rid of the hud or the compass at least and play the game that way and i tried that first for the first time with horizon and that made that game feel so much more immersive for me because like you're just wandering around these plains and mountains and just you and they do such a good ga- good job of making like the sun point this direction and that direction out for you so it's like yeah. you can really travel by using the elements around you so and that's the it type makes of it stuff you notice when you turn off the hud you start noticing like all right, west is that way, north is mm-hmm. that way. A lot of yep. the games, like even if it's a different world, they'll stay. T- they'll still take t- those types of elements. Mm-hmm. Except in like sci-fi, because that shit gets crazy. Because there'll be like three suns. Yeah. So it'll be like I don't know which way is north or south. But then, if you kind of look at the map and you kind of understand, yeah, then it makes sense. Sometimes game developers do that on purpose. Sometimes they don't. So. Right. But yeah, you, you start picking up on little things like that, which is why I like to play that that way. And, and I like that though. Like those are that's something that I've started doing now that I really enjoy. Um, so like I recently the 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 last single player game that I played was uh, well the last two I would say the first one was uh, Shadows of War, which is the Shadow of Mordor series, and having that 
having no screen or no HUD on there made the game feel just more open because there tends to be a lot of like things in the way of the screen. It's like you have a quest tracker, you have your minions, you have your compass, you have your minimap, you have your uh, weapons in the bottom, you have your armor on the left side. There's a lot of stuff in there. So when I got rid of that stuff, it just made it feel like, okay, now I can see the screen. I can see the game in front of me and not just pop-ups. So that was a big one that I did that for. And, And I think I prefer having no HUD now. But a game like Kingdom Come Deliverance, that is a game that pretty much, it's like a simulator game. So that means no HUD. That means like you're just playing the game. Like you're jumping in and welcome to medieval times where when you put on a helmet that has a visor that's slotted, your screen is going to get slotted so that you have to play with that kind of vision. Whereas like a game like Skyrim, you put a helmet on, you still have full vision. Yeah, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool because it's like, it's so nuts because like, when you wear the slotted helmet the angle of the slot that you can see out of is kind of lifted downward and i always thought that that was like an error in the game but if you go back and you watch the devs when they're talking about slotted helmets typically you would keep your head down tilted down as a knight so that when you were fighting nothing would come into your eyes so like you wouldn't get something in your eyes so that you can keep seeing and maintain visuals while you're in battle so that that's why it's angled downwards and i'm like that's hardcore immersion like that's that's like going above and beyond yeah that's the type of stuff i really like i followed the like i followed that game like when it first started at like kickstarter i think or Mm -hmm. like when they first announced it i have not picked it up yet but i will eventually but I know that game like takes it hardcore. Like you even have like layers of clothing. Yeah. You know, like that's 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 really cool. Yeah, that's that. It's such a different game because it's not like a, it's not a fantasy game. It's not like a sci-fi game. It's an RPG game, but it's like it it it's a real game if that makes any sense. Yeah. So it's what, it's. What do like, you think about like um like in Mass Effect? Um, when you whenever you go into like a new planet or something mm-hmm. um, Shepard will have his mask on you know but then like as soon as you go inside a building or something like he doesn't have it anymore well that's a feature though like like I have that feature off so it's like when he was in combat it was on is that what you're talking about? Like having yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the on helmet thing? Yeah, you know. I made sure it was like kind of accurate. You know, I made sure if I'm in the middle of space. He has his helmet on. Yeah, of course. But, the but thing like is, if like, I'm in in town or something, he, he can take it off. Right. And but th- and that's the thing is like, so in Andromeda, like when you're establishing, um, when you're establishing bases on a lot of these planets, like this is the first time you're ever doing anything so basically you're trailblazing um i guess like little city states on these planets 
So you can't really breathe the air. So when you're in that zone, there's basically like they've made this like technology where it's like you can breathe the atmosphere, but you have to stay within that zone. But the moment that you step out, he has to like click a button on himself and then his helmet goes over and then he's able to like or he puts on his helmet and then he's able to like walk around because if not, then you are you start suffocating, mm. which like I thought they they fixed that issue where it's like, oh, I'm an Omega. I have my helmet on in battle. Oh, all of a sudden I'm having a conversation with this alien and my helmet's off, but I never took it off. Yeah, like they, they fixed that because that was a little weird. Yeah, yeah, they do. I think. I like that they do catch things like that and fix them, though. Yeah. Because it, it means that they're paying attention to, like, the immersion part of the game. Like, you want to keep it as accurate as possible. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to... There's some devs that do immersion, like, really well. Yeah. Um, CD Projekt Red. They do a fantastic job. They do a fantastic job. Um, there's another one. I forgot... Like, and it doesn't have to be a game that's, like, third person or first person. Uh, you know, it, it could be, like, any type of game. But if they do cues, like, when you're walking towards someone, mm-hmm. and instead of, like, a bubble popping up to saying, hey, talk to me, you'll, like, start a conversation as you're walking up. Like, hey, what are you doing? You know, who yeah. are you? Type yeah, of yeah. things. Even when I'm playing, like... Um, isometric games like Baldur's Gate and stuff like that yeah like Pillars of Eternity I think does that when you're kind of walking up to a new place it'll kind of set off like a little cutscene mm-hmm. and then you start talking to NPCs around in the area like back in the day you would walk into a new town and it wouldn't be until you went up to someone saw an icon and pressed a button and then you start talking to them right but yeah the little tricks that they do kind of makes it makes it cool see like those things i really do like a lot because it means that they're paying attention to the to the details of it and for the longest time when i played a game when i used to finish games which was a long time ago now <laughs> uh whenever i go somewhere like in the town like you and I, when we're playing like MMOs, like ESO or whatever, whenever we're in the city or, or in a bar or a tavern, we put on walk. Like we like to toggle the walk mode so that we can walk through it and not just like run around like an idiot because it's not immersion to be like, oh, I'm running around this town. I've got to do these quests. It's like, no, it's like you're in town. You're going to walk. So when I would play single player games, whenever I'd go somewhere, I start walking. And the thing is, like, you start listening to the people around you, to the crowd around you. And once they started making games where it's like, oh, yeah, the, the people are having conversations with themselves. You may not you may not pay attention to it because you're moving so fast. But if you slow down, you might actually hear it. So when I started playing games like Assassin's Creed, I would start walking everywhere. And you would hear people just, like, having conversations with themselves. I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, I like that. That makes the yeah, game think, makes the world feel more real. Yeah, I think Metro, the Metro series, they do a really good job with that. They do, yeah. Because I know I played that game on the hardest difficulty with no HUD. Well, actually, <laughs> they kind of had a problem with the first one because um, when you turn off the HUD, like it literally turns off any cues, like any HUD. Mm-hmm. So at points I'd be like super lost as far as 
hey, you need to go up to this valve and turn it. But then it, you got to use a specific like button or key. But since there is no icon, I would just stand there and then I'd be hitting all the freaking buttons on the controller until I got the right one. Right. So there, I like when they turn it off, but like as soon as you have to interact with something, like it'll kind of pop up. Just makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, Metro did a really good job as far as um, if you walk in that game, you'll, you'll hear a lot of conversations people yeah. are having by themselves. Yeah. And personally, to me, like I just feel like someone spent probably weeks building this one little part of a, of a town or this one little like pathway and people run it, run right through it in like 10 seconds. Pay no freaking mind to everything. Yeah, and that kind of sucks because it's like that was someone's like job, you know. Yeah, so I like to enjoy it. I like to pick up on little things that they do like that, and uh, it, it just makes the game more fun for me. I, I think it definitely makes the game more enjoyable because you become that person when you're playing those games. Uh, another good example for me at least was when like going back to Horizon Zero Dawn when you played that game you get like these outfits of the different uh, clans in the game and when you go to some of the major cities you are able to like wear their clothes or whatever and they're like oh hey like you're wearing our they, they recognize that you're wearing one of their garbs yeah, like, like their armor and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and the thing is, like, you're you you're playing a Nora, which are these like enclosed people that that stay to their own little circle of this world, and they don't go outside their walls because they're just like they're tight knit. But once you go out there, they're like, oh, she's a Nora. Like, oh, look at this Nora. She's wearing her Nora gear. She looks like a barbarian. But when you put on one of their gears, they're like, oh. Oh, you're wearing one of our stuff. Oh, you, you have class. Like, <laughs> I like the way you. I like that dress on you. Like, you look really good. Like so how you carry yourself. Yeah, like, like I like how you carry yourself, and then like they recognize that stuff. So I always thought that that was pretty cool. Like, that that made me feel. That made me slow down in cities. Like, sure, if I'm like, if I'm playing like quickly that night. Of course, I'm running around everywhere, but if I have time to take my time, I'm going to take my time and I'll walk everywhere. Yeah, uh, some of the Elder Scrolls games do that, too. Like, uh, depending yeah. on what race you pick, people yeah. treat you differently. And yeah. I always enjoy games that do that. Yeah, that was probably the the biggest, like, it became more aware of that yeah. stuff. Like in <laughs> I Oblivion, think there's even Skyrim. some, like, in Fallout. If yeah. you're like a, a ghoul, you know, like mm-hmm. in some of those like New Vegas, you could pick to be like a ghoul or whatever. Yep. Nobody and wants to talk to you. Yeah, you'll talk to someone. They'll be like, ah, get yeah. away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's a good thing about the games because it's, it's part of the immersion and it, it, it makes it. It makes the world feel more accurate. And that's part of the lore, though, like. They don't want to talk to ghouls. Like, why would they want to talk to ghouls? In Skyrim, if you're anything but a Nord, Nords don't want to talk to you. Like, they're like, nah, you're not a Nord. You're not a true son or daughter of Skyrim. I got no time for you. 
But if you're an Imperial, they're like, some people are like, oh, Imperials, you're fine. Whereas the Skyrims or the Nords are like, don't talk to me, Imperial filth. I ain't got time yeah. for you. And that makes the game more real for me. Yeah, I like, I like really, uh, I like when they do stuff like that for sure. You know, we've been talking about like how games kind of make immersion a thing when they implement it. As yeah. far as us, like, you, I don't like, I don't like HUDs now. You don't like HUDs. I like subtitles. You like subtitles. Is there anything else that you do differently when you play a game to bring out that immersion? Is there? I mean, we're in the, we're in the age of multitasking. I've seen you play Final Fantasy Online before. You're watching a movie while playing the game. So it's like, does that take away from your immersion? Are you are you not trying to be immersed at that time? What, what's the deal? What's the mindset when you play like that? Uh, yeah, like for certain games, like right now um, in Final Fantasy fourteen, I'm really all my goal, like my main goal right now is to get to get over that hump, like that level fifty hump. Mm-hmm. So cause some of the story, I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I'm just kind of going until I get to the expansions because apparently that's when it really gets good. Right. Um, so I'll watch like a NFL game. I'll watch a movie or something while I'm just out there questing. Um, it re- like specifically like even if I was doing like um, like a job quest, mm-hmm. it's just a job, right? Yeah. Like I could be listening to music like in real life. Like I'll listen to music and I could still do my job. Yeah. So it really it doesn't matter. But like if I'm playing. The Witcher, for example, I cannot have any distractions. Like, I just want to be in the world. Definitely. Um, a lot of, um, for me personally, I enjoy, like, audio. That makes a big difference for me. Um, if I have, like, uh, some speakers or that are crappy or, like, I have to listen through speakers on a TV or something, it really takes me away from that, so headphones for sure Mm -hmm. and I crank up the volume a little louder just so I can pick up little subtle noises or something yeah that I hear so that is that is one way that uh, I play differently as far as to try and get myself immersed right so I totally agree with the um, with the sound thing because one of the games that I really loved playing that was a single player game was uncharted and when i played uncharted i remember i had this conversation with my brother-in-law like years years ago he was like how come you're not playing uncharted and it was like in the middle of the day and i was like no i don't play that game during the day he's like why not i was like i don't know I was like i prefer to play it at night like when it's dark because i feel like the game is a movie so i want to kind of play it like that mm-hmm. and this is way before like I started. We started doing anything like this, or you started thinking about it like this. But what I was doing was like I was playing the game in an immersive or an immersion kind of way because I wanted to have that cinematic feel, that movie theater feel, and to sit there and to play the game. And I remember playing Uncharted Two, where you're in like uh, shoot, I think it's Tibet. 
so you're like you're in tibet and there's like so many cinematics and one of the biggest scenes that's like the one of the most iconic uh cinematic moments is when the game first starts and it's like a three four minute clip where nathan drake is sitting on the back end of a train that's hanging off a cliff in the middle of a snowstorm that was epic dude yeah like that's like and you're sitting there you're watching it it's just like oh man what's gonna happen next and then you're sitting there and the train's just creaking back and forth and you're like oh shit i'm playing a game that's right uh let's let's try to figure out how to do this real fast like that that's when i realized that game deserves to be played at night headphones volume amped up and just give it the attention give it the you time know, of day. you know what's you know what's crazy about that though is that was one of the games that i i was okay with playing over like uh like stereo like stereo regular tv mm-hmm. like audio and all that because that was like one of the first games where i can tell someone who's like not really big into video games hey just just chill here and watch me play this and they mm-hmm. would fucking love it. Like, they were like, dude, yep. when are you going to play that again? Because what happens to Drake? You know? It's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so it's just was, a good story. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Naughty Dog is one of those publishers yeah. that really does a good job with immersion. They do. Like, The really Last good, of Us. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The Last of Us is one of those games that they made that's just like they took all the best parts of the Uncharted series and they added a end of world zombie apocalypse factor and just made this game that's just amazing yeah that's one of the um naughty dogs one of the publishers that i want to talk about as far as who does immersion best you know i think yes for me it's cd project red um but naughty dog i think probably is number one at this like right now at this point in time because CD Projekt Red, like The Witcher 2, it was not, like, it was immersive. Like, you could play with no HUD, but it was, like, really hard to do. Um, but Naughty Dog, they have, like, four or five games already where I could play with no HUD, and I just feel immersed in there. So I think Naughty Dog probably takes number one as far as who is the most, uh, who has the most immersive gameplay as far as video games well i think it also has to like if if that's the topic that we get to get into i think a lot of that will have to do with the way those games are made like what those games are about so with like uncharted it's like a different style game like it, it feels different like you're using guns and not swords yeah, that's true you're not taking potions or anything like that like whereas like witcher you you are so like those things kind of factor in i feel to the immersion concept it's it's just part of the it's, it's part of the difference it's like at some point it's gonna be like yeah these games are made to be played in an immersive way which is great but in the end of it even though we can compare them like apples and apples at some point it's gonna be like this is an apple this is an orange because one's fantasy and one's not yeah yeah i know i, I get what you're saying but that's like, but those are the the reasons why we play these games, like because they they do that for us. They they set those parameters, and we can take them 
to a whole nother level with how we play. Prime example, you know me, I'm a huge MMO player, I like, I like World of Warcraft a whole bunch. So when I play that game, I, I take a different perspective when I'm playing a character. Like I almost didn't play Battle for Azeroth because I felt like my Night Elf Druid didn't care about the conflict between the Alliance and Horde. I was like, I'm not going to play that because my character doesn't care about that. That's my main. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. Perfect example of that is when Mists of Pandera came out, the story of this guy who played a panda from level 1 to 90 in the starting zone of Mists of Pandera because he felt that pandas should have an option to be neutral. He didn't pick a faction. He stayed where he was the entire time. And he leveled to, at that point, at that time, cap, which was 90, by picking flowers, making <laughs> herbs, making potions, inscriptions. I thought that was the coolest thing ever because, like, that's immersion, man. Like, that's, like, he's playing in his character in his way. He wants like to I be... was deep in there, man. Yeah, he wants to be neutral. Like, and that was a big story because I remember G4 TV was all over that. They were like, this dude is out here really just picking flowers for hours. And I remember they interviewed him. They're like, what did you do to pass the time? Because at some point, like, the experience points that you got from picking herbs goes down. They're like, how did you get through that? He's like, I just watched a rerun television while I did it. <laughs> that's all I did. And I was like, man, like, that's mad respect because that's taking immersion to a whole nother level. Yeah, dude, that's that's an awesome story. I've never heard about it. Man, that's a great story. You need to go find that article. Yeah, if they, I mean, if G4 has it, there might be a video out there. I'll try to check it out, too. I always aspire to be like that, honestly, like to have a panda that's neutral. But I was like, I ain't got the patience for it. Nah, <laughs> I ain't got, I ain't got the time. I ain't got the time anymore, homie. Back in the day, maybe. But right maybe. now, like, no. That's... Nah. I mean, and that's why, like, the characters that I do have, like, I try to play the game as close to the lore that I can, but still having my my sense of immersion. And if that means playing a certain way or getting rid of something that I can get rid of on the heads-up display, I'll do it. And it'll make the game that much more fun for me. So what about, like, uh... Like sometimes you play a game, right? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't create a new character. You, you're kind of playing an existing character, okay? A character that kind of already has like a personality, uh, some story behind them. Like a uh, there's uh, there's already something there. Do you take on that role, or do you kind of do your own thing? Do you know I, what I'm talking about? No, I totally get what you're saying. And um, I love this because this, this is, I thought about this a while back. And that right there, that whole question you just asked reminds me of when I first started playing Assassin's Creed. The second one, not the first one. When I started playing AC2, you basically take on this character of like Ezio Altidori who's just like brash punk he's just like i'm cool like no one can touch me 
my father's this big shot here in Florence. No one is above me. I'm above everyone. And then what happens? He's a jackass. Yeah, he was kind of a jackass. Like, he really <laughs> was. Like, he was just like... He, but when you think about it, from the time which he grew up in, which was the Renaissance period, his family was pretty wealthy. That was that class of person. They had that sense of entitlement. So when I first started playing him, I was like, yeah, like I'm a badass dude. Like no one can touch me. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm causing, I'm causing problems. I'm going to Christina who lives in that house because she's this dude's father or so, or daughter. But I go there because he doesn't like me. And you know what? I still climb that window and I'm banging her. No big <laughs> deal. But that's what Ezio, that's how Ezio thought. But then once his like life gets turned upside down, like you start changing the way you play because he's like he's angry he was upset he's revengeful so i'm out here killing all these people i'm like this is for my family stab 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 but then he's like changes and he's like you know it's not like that anymore like we have to let that go like we have to become better so then you're like changing with it it's just like roller coaster of emotions in that one game and that's when i started to really think about myself like I play video games not because they're just mind-numbing things to do and I'm bored. I play video games because I play from the perspective of character progression and narrative. And I want to understand the player that I'm playing. And I was like, boy, you know, this, like, this for is me, bad. <laughs> for me, I think it really stands... Like, I think... Like, I thought about it for the past, like, week. Kind of like, where, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. why do I play this way and I think it really has to do with like books like I've read a lot of books like in my early age mm-hmm. like grade school and all that and like certain books do a really good job of telling the story from the perspective of the person right Right. so like uh, I think that's really where it comes from for me personally, like I would read a lot of books and I'd be like, dude, I feel like this guy's feeling, I know what he's going through kind of thing, or I kind of understand. Um, and that, that kind of just carried over to video games. I see. And I agree. I agree with that, that statement 100% because in the time in which I was playing AC2, I had just switched over to studying literature. And that's what we were doing in school. We were we were analyzing character development from novels, from books, from fiction and nonfiction. And once I took that mindset to video games, video games changed for me completely. Yeah. What about like for me, like right now where we're talking about it, it kind of it kind of brings me back to fallout 4 and why i was kind of upset with that game um i do like like it does some good stuff like you're immersed in there Mm -hmm. i can pick the hud and all that i could pick the level difficulty but one of the things that bothered me was uh you're looking for your kid in that game right oh yeah i forgot about that but like he's like all right yeah i gotta get my kid but let me let me go start a did you dare fucking spoil it no like no i'm not gonna spoil it like i was saying <laughs> let me let me find my kid but you know what i got about a month before yeah. i want to find my kid let me go start <laughs> like eight farms <laughs> you know so i can get my my resources up and then i'll go find my kid 
And that's one of the things that really bugged me about that story. Like, no, if I was, you know, if my kid was lost, that would be the number one priority. Yeah, there's like, no sense of urgency. Yeah, and that's that. To me, that took me out of the game, and it made me realize this is just like a freaking video game. Like, all right, yeah, I know it's. I I understand that these are video games, right? But it, it ruined the immersion for me. But at the same time, game. but at the same time, like you have to remember, you have no clue to where your daughter is. Like everything you're doing, like story-wise, like not like creating settlements because. I, I feel like creating settlements are completely optional because the the main one that you make like in that one starting area like that's the one you start off with but I feel like everything else like story-wise is completely it is it's totally based off well, like, here's, here's getting the information. thing though Here, here's the thing that bugged me because it's just the type the way I play the game is I play it on the hardest difficulty I mm-hmm. even play on hardcore right so I started off and I said you know what I'm not going to build a settlement I'm going to go straight towards Diamond City find out the rest of this story but as soon as I get even close to Diamond City I find out that I'm way underpowered and then like I have to do like you gotta grind some levels no I don't gotta grind I gotta do some game breaking bugs to kind of get around this stuff like I gotta jump over this fence that probably should not be jumped over or <laughs> you know like I gotta do all this stuff that it's not unrealistic kind of like it just bugged me but that's a I think that's the uh, that's the token sign of a Bethesda game like yeah. there's a there's always like random shortcuts that you can just kind of cheese the game a bit and but but cheesing games just exist now like that's a thing like because there's so many options in the world, or in, at least in options in the, in the game world, cheesing it is always going to be an option. And if you choose to cheese it, then I think like you're the only one to blame. Because like in Dark Souls, you can cheese bosses. That's not nearly as satisfying as taking it on one v one, like a like a champ, and getting your ass handed to you like twenty times, and then learning how to defeat him. Or you can just like catch him on a bad glitch in a corner and just like cheese the hell out of him until he dies. Just like pa pa pa, and then you're like, yeah, I beat him. Is it? Was it worth it? Probably not. But you get to move on. So it's like, I did that. I think I think I did that for dark. Everybody Souls. does it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the thing. Is like, but again, like I said, like if you do it, you have only yourself to blame because you took that route. Yeah. I think I did that when I first started playing Dark Souls to get the that one sword that shoots off like a freaking thing, like a, a shockwave. Look, I played like Dark Souls like a man. When I got my ass handed to me like 20 times, I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kept going. Nope. Gave I up. recently got the remastered version. I never beat the game. I got really far. I don't know if I would say really far, but for <laughs> me, I got far because I put like 30 hours into it. But uh, I never beat it, so I actually I got the remastered, and I'm gonna go back and play through it. But I kind of uh, I read up a lot of lore ever yeah. since then, so it kind of adds to the way that game feels for me now. Yeah, Dark Souls is. Cool. 
Dark Souls has good lore, and it's good lore, but it's really hard to find. It's a, it, it, and like just to touch on the topic of lore, at least Bloodborne is one of those games. Like I like Dark Souls, but I didn't really, I didn't really relate to the game that much because I didn't really like it too much. I mean, I liked it, but it wasn't just a game that I could play because it was so hard for me. So I didn't play it that much and I didn't really get into it. However, when Bloodborne came out and Neo came out, the lore of those two games made me want to play those games. And I forced myself to get good at Bloodborne because I wanted to know how that game ended. And I wanted to play and experience those Did you games. Beat it? No. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Uh, this is this is still during this is like during the period of time where I stopped completing games. So I was like, I don't I don't finish anything anymore. It's a yeah, there's, terrible there's thing. It's a problem for sure. It is a problem. But right now I kind of take it like right now my uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, like my play time kind of ended, mm-hmm. and since I already canceled Final Fantasy fourteen, and I stopped paying for ESO online, I think I'm gonna take several months to go back and play like first person games. Oof, I don't have that in me. Yeah, I know you're always playing MMOs. I can't, <laughs> I can't stop, man. Can't stop, won't stop. I have them all synced up to where it's like I pay them in alternate months, so. Or alternate half years, so I can have them all the time. Yeah, I can't S- do that. Smart. <laughs> I feel like if I if I paid for like Final Fantasy fourteen, and I'm playing something else, like in the back of my head is like you're just throwing money away, Freddy. Go go play that freaking thing, you know. So I'll be more, like, ah. more reasons just to kind of boot up and start playing, I guess. But, so, since we kind of have talked a little bit about immersion and definitely have talked about lore because that's what we do, uh, we're moving towards now getting ready to really kind of come out with lore books. Uh, You, today, which is a Saturday, even though this podcast airs on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday, uh, (laughs) uh, we recorded the ad for lore books which means that we're getting close to getting ready to bring that out there into the interwebs which is going to be sick so we don't want to beat everyone down with information or lore of world of warcraft we're going to save that for lore books and as we go forward with that but we want to stay on the topic of lore and i think one of our favorite games right now that we get to play together and like actually get to play together is destiny and Destiny's getting ready to jump ship from Battle.net to Steam. So we're pretty stoked about that because that game's got some tremendous amount of lore. Yeah, I already said, like, I don't know when you're getting the expansion, but I'm getting it on the 4th. Of this month? No. Um, like October. this coming month? Yeah, this yeah. coming month? Mm-hmm. So basically next, the Friday after next. Yeah, like two weeks, yeah. Yeah, because I know if I get it like on the first, I'm really not gonna play that freaking game until Friday and Saturday. So I might as well wait until Friday to get the expansion. And honestly, it leaves up a little bit more time for me to actually beat the base game. Yeah, because I have not beat it. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. I haven't even touched the Forsaken. Yeah, me that, either. That should become free, right? It's free right now if you buy, if you pre-order the coming up expansion because they're throwing everything in there with it. It's kind of like what WoW does with their expansions right now. Like if you buy the latest one, you get all the following ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we're talking lore here. So, with Destiny, we're getting back into it. What are your favorite? What's your favorite race to play with Destiny right now? Or what is the what is your go to race when you play that game? The Forsaken. That's an expansion. No, not Forsaken. Sorry, the Awoken. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, not the <laughs> Forsaken. The Awoken. Um, I don't know why I like those guys, but I just didn't want to be. I I kind of regret it because uh-huh. you know my name's Databots. I probably should have picked the freaking robot. You know? the Oh, yeah, the Exos? Yeah. Yeah, like, I probably should have gone with the Exo, but I was like, nah, these guys are cool, dude. Like, their skin's, like, blue, and I think I made my guy's hair white, and, like, yeah, I don't know. Are they called Exos? I don't want to be wrong about that. No, I think they are <laughs> called Exos. Because they've got a really cool story about how, like, they became... They became sentient, and I always uh, refer to this as the Geth effect, which is, like, from Mass Effect... Where they, where like they, where well, the Corians made the Geth to kind of have them do their biddings and basically make their society easier, but then they become sentient or and they're just like alive. That's the same thing with Exos. Like they became alive. They were supposed to help humans, but then they became a race of their own. Yeah, those, those guys are pretty cool. I those dudes are pretty it's, cool. it's a little too late for me to go back and make one, but if I were to do it again, I would probably pick that race. Yeah, and, and Awoken for me are like is top, top, top race for me just because they're like I don't know. I hate saying it, but the the female models are just so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like they are. They 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 have this like they have this weird alien vibe that has been like missing in my heart since mass effect ended and it really they they feel it destiny feels it and i just feel like it's a good fit for me yeah one day we'll get into you know choosing between male or female yeah like why do you play yeah why do you always play oh i don't always go female all right every game i've ever played with you you're a female i mean 80% 80% of the games that I play are female true. But we'll, For we'll me, get, it, it, we'll get into yeah, that. We'll, we'll get into that one day. But, <laughs> but that's a good and question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be question. honest. Out of all of my friends that I play online, I'm always the guy picking male. Everyone else picks female. I really want to say something, but we'll touch on it another episode. Because <laughs> that will lead to like another hour-long conversation. But as far as Destiny is concerned... Um, so, did you play the first one completely or no? Um, yeah, I think I got, like, I saved the world or whatever. And um, What was the thing? There was, like, a goal. Like, as soon as you start Destiny, like, there was, like, a goal that you needed to do. Like, on the very beginning of the game? Yeah, like, you had to do something or you had to become something. 
I forgot what it was because I remembered I bought that game at midnight mm-hmm. and I was telling my now wife back then she was just my girlfriend I was like I'm gonna do blah 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 I think it was like be the the hero or something and she would always like walk in a room did you do that already I'm like no not yet she's like get good <laughs> yeah. I'm never gonna marry you and uh, I forgot what it was. Like it was something like some some goal I was always striving for in that in the original one. I think well, it was like to save the world. I don't know. But the thing is, like you are like the defender of uh, of the last city on Earth, and then you're also like you're helping the traveler. And the base game was about being a guardian. And defending the city and defending the traveler because Vex and Fallen and the Forsaken? No, the Forsaken is. God damn it. You got me saying Forsaken. That's wow. <laughs> uh, and the other ones that look like bugs, like those guys, like you had to like stop them, which was always kind of fun. But um, the base game was just about like finding out, was just lore heavy. It really was, because it's just about like learning about all the e- all the enemies, all the bad guys, uh, the whole purpose of why the traveler's there with you, and uh, I think what's the the seeker or the speaker, and learning about the speaker, which was really cool. Yeah, I'm be honest with you, I didn't really put, pay much attention to the lore in Destiny. Oh man, when I first started playing Destiny One, it wasn't until Destiny Two where I actually started paying attention. Some of my favorite characters in Destiny are Awokens, obviously. Um, so, like Commanders, Commander Zavala. He, he's a, he's a, what do they call Titan or like the Shield Guardian? Uh, they're not hunters. They're not warlocks, but yeah, they're Titans. Yeah, the yeah, Titans. They're, they're Titans. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, what the hell? I was like, they're Titans. He's a Titan, and he's dope. I like him because he's like a strong leader. But on the other side of the coin, like, man, oh man, did you ever meet Mara Sov, the Queen of the Reef? Yeah, if she was part of the main story, I, I met her because I did. Oh, play, I did beat the main story. I loved her so much. Oh. I don't know. I don't remember much about Destiny One. If I'm being like completely honest with you, I feel like I... we should go back and play it again. But there's no way to play it again, like, like on PC or whatever. Yeah, like it's like if it was on PC again, I'd buy it like that, like yeah. easy. But I think you have to go back. Is it is Destiny One on PS4 or just PS3? Uh, PS4 because I never really owned a PS3, so it, it must have been PS4 or Xbox. I had it. I had it on Xbox One. If I'm being honest with you, I that think would I be. I had it on Xbox One. Was Destiny One on Xbox One? Yeah, I think that's where I actually played through the game on Xbox One. That's the game that I really enjoy, just because the Awokens and the whole space odyssey, time traveling machines trying to kill you. God, that's so. It's so good. It's a good Space Odyssey game. Yeah, I just looked it up real quick. Destiny came out on PS3, PS4, 360, and 1. 
Looks like you need to get a PS4, and we're playing Destiny all over again. Uh, <laughs> if it's still even available. <laughs> oh, how why would it not be? I don't know. Like the story, the way stuff available. goes nowadays. Yeah, I'm more willing know. to watch like a recap on YouTube. That sounds good too. Let's do that instead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could probably finish that. But yeah, I don't remember much about the Destiny one. Destiny one was good. Like, it's, it, I think it was because I played it like literally on the like one weekend, and I beat the whole game, and I was like, "Well, I'm done." That's why <laughs> I remember it because I it, it was I couldn't stop. Yeah, and then after that, all I played was Crucible for like weeks. Crucible's good. Oh man, I gotta get back on my Crucible game. Yeah, and I like the way they 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 signed that. Like, go here and battle. You know. Yeah, because it's not like uh, it's not just like uh, hey, this is just PvP for PvP's sake. No, yeah. it's like it's like the Crucible is like a training ground for all Guardians, so that you can like prepare yourself to fight against these like oncoming events that's that c- could wipe us out any minute. So that's yeah. that's a nice way they it's a nice way to present PvP. I thought. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But with that, Fredo. Uh, let's let's uh, let's wind this uh, podcast down a little bit. Is there uh, anything that you got going on that you need to announce, need to say to the good people out there listening to the podcast right now? Um, I finally got the Epic Game Store launcher <laughs> after like you know like reluctantly not wanting to. But you gotta get uh, your uh, what's that game that's on there? Uh, Fortnite. You gotta get your Fortnite on. Nah, <laughs> nah. They gave out like like a hundred dollars worth of games and i was just like you know what whatever whatever at this point whatever and basically i downloaded it yo that's what i do with playstation plus like anytime they uh give out a free game which usually they give you like a really good free game out there mm-hmm. i mean it's worth the subscription because i'm just building a library of games you'll never play <laughs> that's beside the point <laughs> Like I've got, I've got games. Yeah. So, suck it. So yeah, this I finally got it. So now, when the Outer Worlds comes out, I'll probably buy it. Like when it comes. Oh, is that what it's coming on? It's coming yeah, on. It's, it's on exclusive that? to Epic Game Store. Oh, that kind of sucks. It does. Wait, is that hundred dollar game feature thing still free? Yeah. It, okay. Actually, I'm, I'm gonna download that right now. What they're doing. Um, Every week for the foreseeable future, they're giving you free games. All right, so you heard it here for like the first time on the DigiTavern podcast. Go download Epic Games Launcher. <laughs> <laughs> Go do it. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I didn't you can't like keep it this a, information to yourself, man. Like, what's wrong with you? I guess it's like a security. Like, I want to get into security. Like, you know, at one point, as far as you know. Network like, security and all like, that. Oh, okay. See, like, everybody was thinking, like, Paul Blart, the mall cop. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like, as far as, like, InfoSec. I'll say InfoSec. Yeah, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, as That's an InfoSec, it. like, aspiring person. I don't know how to say that. An aspiring InfoSec? Yeah. Aspiring? Aspiring, not inspiring. Like, aspiring. Like there was some, there's some shady stuff going on with the Epic Game Store. Like, they have some... Some shady stuff going on with China and stuff. Uh oh, we're getting I political f- here. Yeah, like I figured if there was some malware stuff already, it's been kind of ironed out at this point. 
so I really, I was just like, you know what, whatever. If they're spying on me, all I do on this PC is play video games. And know? jack it. No! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to bring up. Because I know I, I've talked about it before, saying that I might get it eventually. Mm-hmm. And it, it happened sooner than later. What about you? You got anything on your mind? Uh, not so much. Uh, I'm just getting, you know, I got this new mic, which is nice and pretty. And, and, and it's not shiny because it's in matte. But I got me a blue Yeti mic to enhance the podcast making on my side. And I'm very happy with it. So I recommend blue Yeti mics for all your podcasting and voiceover needs. Uh, and it's pretty clear. I enjoy it. I no longer have the the mic in my face, so hopefully you don't hear a lot of like wind coming from my mouth. So, oh, I so, can so, hear so, you breathing. So nah, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, sure. If I get into it, God. But yeah, I'm glad to have this mic. It's got a boom mic, a windscreen, pop filter. Super happy with it, and I and. I think things are going to get a lot better with this microphone, so I'm happy with this purchase. Yeah, I still got to work on mine. Sorry, fellas. <laughs> wow, are you assuming there? Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fredo. Well, with that, man, we're going to close this episode down here. We cut it a little short towards the end, but uh, we've got a sufficient amount of podcast for us here. So with that, tune in. For when we drop that ad where I think Fredo has done the best, best piece of recording he's ever had. I don't care what happens after this, like going forward, that's the that's the scale, that's the bar. If if you can't get to that level again, I'm fucking quitting podcasting with you. Oh no. <laughs> no, maybe not, but this will release his ad coming in the coming of days. I think it's probably one of the best things that he's ever recorded. It sounds great. It's full of life. I am a big fan. But that's coming up because Lorebooks is coming around pretty soon. And we're looking to maybe put it out there by October. Because we want to make sure everything's set in stone before we do that. Other than that, keep up with us on our social media. The Twitter is at the DigiTavern. I'm at J114. He's at databots with a z and anything else fredo uh shout out to travis all right man thanks for listening dude <laughs> shout out for you because he's the <laughs> only one <laughs> uh, yeah shout out to travis you're you're you're, uh, you're, you're a special guy all right. i love you i love you peace out fellas ladies and ladies goodbye